The war isn't going to end anytime soon. That's clear, with high-level talks breaking down after just 90 minutes overnight and a strong sense of animosity, it's fair to say, as well. So not much positive sentiment on the markets today. The surprise news, though, has been the ECB uh, upping their inflation forecasts, downgrading growth forecasts and planning to taper faster and potentially raising rates faster than expected, too. We'll look at all of that today. It's Friday, the 11th of March, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So yesterday was a one-off, it seems. Today we're back to seeing the US dollar rising up 0.6% on the DXY. Equities falling almost 1% off the NASDAQ at close. Oil was rising, but it's falling back now at WTI down 1.9%. Brent down 1%. In fact, you know, with the price of $110, Brent seems actually quite good value, doesn't it, given it's been up around $130 recently. The Dow down 0.3%, S&P down 0.4%. That's at the close, but stocks were down more earlier in the session. The Eurostox 50 today losing 3%. The same for the DAX. We're back to seeing the Aussie rising up 0.6% whilst the Euro has lost 0.8%. The pound is falling 0.7%. Comex Gold is back over $2,000. Bond yields are rising up. Three basis points for 10-year treasuries. Six for German bunds. Italian 10 years are up 22 basis points today. There's a reason for that. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that fairly shortly. So it was a very short-lived risk on yesterday. Uh, sentiment might have changed today because perhaps high-level peace talks over Ukraine went nowhere after just 90 minutes. Here's NAB's Dave DeGarris to talk about that and everything else today. Let's not kid ourselves, Dave. This war is not going to be over anytime soon. Nobody wants to negotiate. Escalation is still a risk, isn't it? In, indeed. Even um, you know Ukraine's uh, foreign, uh, foreign minister, uh, Kaliba, you know, was asking for a 24-hour uh, ceasefire and an interruption to allow evacuation, humanitarian aid to come in. Uh, Mariel Paulette, um apologies if I've mispronounced it, the, the port city, you know, that doesn't have power, doesn't have light, yeah. doesn't Mariel have Paul. water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as, uh, correct, it's absolutely desperate, um, but seemed to uh, draw a deaf ear from um, Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov. Lavrov. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he actually said it was it was pathetic. He said was his word that uh, people were declaring, you know, that they'd uh, been bombing this maternity hospital. This was just before he then went, went on to say that Ukraine was developing biological weapons with the with the support of the US. So they always say the the truth is the first casualty of war. That is clearly the case. Yes, yes. Well, I think he's. You know, wasn't there a claim at one stage that it was actually a military site rather than a hospital? Mm, that's what they say. Um, I did read that in one. Report, yeah. but I mean everyone knows Phil that um, these two gentlemen are not the two gentlemen that the market and people are most interested in. It's no. that other person in Moscow and um, probably the Ukrainian Prime Minister that need to get together to chat. You know, to draw real interest. That's what the market's interested in. But as you said, um, the talks seem to go nowhere today. Yeah, and then on the other side, we had Putin saying to his people on a televised address uh, with uh, his inner sanctum that. Uh, the sanctions aren't are going to hurt the West more than they hurt, they're going to hurt Russia. Russia's <laughs> going to cope. They're going to emerge stronger, more self-sufficient. I have to say, after the Crimea sanctions, they did become more food self-sufficient as a result of these sanctions. I mean, yes. it, it took a while. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the, the the worry is, isn't it, that these sanctions aren't actually going to do a great deal uh, of damage to Russia and more damage to, to everybody else. It seems like that might not be the result. So we, anyway, all of this is just saying no grounds for, for optimism, really, after today. I think so. I think so. We can, we can talk about, you know, the relative damage to both sides of the border there. Mm. 
Phil, but, you know, is it going to change Putin's behaviour and um, approach to Ukraine? Yeah. And you'd be wishful if you thought it would, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, and just off a slight tangent, because I do want to talk about the ECB, which is probably the the big uh, non-war news today. Um, I was looking at who's flying over Russian airspace, and it's still the case that, you know, if you want to get to... uh, to, to Moscow, you just choose a Middle Eastern airline or fly Air India, Turkish Airlines, you know, Chinese airlines, they're all flying in there. While mm-hmm. I was in there looking mm-hmm. and seeing who's flying over, I thought, let's have a look and see how many flights there are, actually, because we were watching that very closely with COVID, of course. Uh, and here's a surprising thing. There were 187,000 aircraft movements a day now globally, which is 11% more than this time in 2019, the year before the pandemic. Commercial flights wow. are still down. Wow. So it means a lot of these are supply aircraft, but that must be a sign that supply chains are improving. If we've still got commercial flights down a well, bit, but generally, go. yeah. So I mean, that's got to be a positive sign for uh, supply chain. Yeah. Well, 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 we learned, didn't we, during the pandemic, that not all the flights stopped, even when borders were closed, because yeah. you know they needed to keep the air cargo uh, moving along. Yeah. So. Um, you know, we, we tend to forget about those sorts of things, right? Yeah. Well, there we are. Unless you're a listener to this podcast. We're on the ball. I like, I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, look, the ECB, that was the big surprise today. Uh, we perhaps it were thinking was. it might be a bit of a dull meeting. But it, it wasn't, was it? I mean, we knew that they were going to get rid of uh, their emergency bond program. Uh, mm-hmm. But the question is what they did with all their other QE. Uh, and it looked like it was going to take some time. But really, they're p- picking up the pace on this, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so back in, 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 in February, Phil, um, uh, it was, it's widely understood that the, the pandemic emergency purchasing plan would end at the end of March. That's still yep. the case. So that, yep. that was introduced basically through the pandemic. But it's all and the other the, yeah. Correct, which is called the asset purchase plan. And the plan then was after the, uh, the PEP would finish in March, they would ramp that up a bit from uh, 20 billion a month to 40 billion a month in the June quarter, then 30 billion a month in the September quarter, 20 billion in the December quarter. And after all the discussions they've had, or after all the, uh, the push from the hawks on the committee, what they announced today was there would be 40 billion a month, but for the month of April, 30 billion in May and 20 billion in June, and then they'll look at it all again. Nothing said about what happens after that. Mm. And if the inflation numbers work out as they think they will, and, of course, that's a, there's a big uncertainty factor there, the market will be thinking, well, um, rates are just around the corner after that. So the interesting thing was that uh, they changed the language there from, um, uh, you know, from – uh, 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 you know that the, the there would be quick. The asset purchase program would 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 end just before rates uh, started to rise to some time after. But during the press conference, uh, the president Lagarde was asked about, well, what is this some time after? Can you give us a bit of a sense of that uh, of that of that time period? Because markets are obviously vitally mm. interested in that. If I finish it in June, rates could go up. Technically, as as, as 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 the next meeting, or probably by the by September, she said, "Well, it could be next. It could be next week. It could be a week." And people are thinking, "What? Sometime? That doesn't sound like a you know." You'd hear people mm. thinking aloud about it. Sometime doesn't sound sound like that a week. week. And, she, and she was asked the same question later on again, and repeated the same line. So, so that tells you, I think, Phil, that. Um, the discussions around the table were pretty intense. In fact, she said that it was a very lively discussion uh, across the table. 
uh, about those views. And, and I think the market's left with the impression that the Hawks are back in control. So the fact that they're ending the PEP, and it was the PEP, Phil, that gave gives gave the, uh, the ECB, you know, complete discretion over which government bonds they bought. They weren't constrained by this capital key, you know, which, which restricts how much they can buy of each government um, bond um, and tenors and so forth. Despite the fact that you know they did say, well, they could they could move the um, the their portfolio of the pep around, you know, they can buy within that that envelope. But nevertheless, as you, as you said in your introduction, quite a big increase in some of the peripheral yields yeah. today. Well, twenty two basis points for for Italy. So I I, I guess um, a lot of their bonds would have been bought up by the ECB, and they're the ones that yes. aren't, aren't going to be bought now or won't be renewed or perhaps eventually sold back on the open market. So They, 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 might, be, they might be bought, but it's going to be at the margin in, in, a, in a rising rate environment. So yeah. uh, I think, you know, we, we, we've all heard the narrative from the Germans, the Austrians and the Dutch about concern about inflation. Had it not been for uh, Russia and Ukraine, uh, they could have easily stopped the asset purchase program at the end of March at this meeting, right? You know, they could have could have stopped, and we would have been talking potentially about a rate rise as soon as the June quarter. So, you know, obviously, what's happening with Russia Ukraine introduces a whole new level of uncertainty. But at the same time, we've got this big meeting going on in Versailles. So, if that introduces a whole lot more support for the economy, I mean, That's it's going to just yeah. I mean, but more that, bonds, but, more inflation concern and the like, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Not necessarily bonds that are going to be bought by the central bank, of course, but just, but just bonds sold sold up and bought by banks. Indeed, indeed. So the, this was the, they also. Uh, I mean, Christine Lagarde obviously talked about rising inflation from the higher energy prices because of the war and also supply chains and weaker confidence and all that. But then mm. they also changed their predictions, didn't they, for GDP? Oh, so they, they down, downgraded 3.7% in 2022, 2.8% in 2023, 1.6% in 2024. Uh, what is interesting is to give it some context that 3.7% for this year compares to the figure that they were giving in December for this year which was 5.1%. So from 5.1% to 3.7%, that's yes. how much it's come down in just a few months. That's quite a big yes. drop. Well, the interesting thing too, Phil, is that you know they've also increased their inflation forecast for this year. Now yep. talking about over five, right? Yeah. And uh, we didn't get all of the detail. We only got the point estimates. We didn't get all the uh, qualitative detail. What are the assumptions they're based on? They're actually releasing that tomorrow because they've held over finalising all of the forecasts because of the big change in oil prices we've had at the last minute. Normally, they would close that off two weeks before the meeting, but they held that held that all over. So. Yeah. That's still in the fireworks. And even their inflation forecast for 2024 is 1.9. That just sort of gets within their target. And next year, still 2.1. We think actually that's pretty conservative on the lowest side. And they usually mm-hmm. use, you know, oil futures curves. And that's still pointing to still quite high oil prices, which means the forecast they did a quarter ago are too low. Yeah, uh, talking about Lowe, well, what a segue this is. Philip Lowe, again, uh, talking this, this is this is why you got a professional in charge. Uh, Philip Lowe talking again where? this morning. I don't know, where was he? We did once. Uh, uh, we've already heard Philip Lowe, of course, this week. Um, 
But uh, so whether you'll say anything apart from patience uh, and, uh, you know, and all that. Yes, all those plausible, numbers, plausible. Plausible, right, right, that's the other one. That's right. Yep. Uh, we had the payroll numbers yesterday. Then that was interesting, wasn't it? Only it was. a, a slice of the labor market, but uh, an increase in jobs. But the increase yeah. in wages, 5.2% year on yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah. Is a, I mean, some of that will be, a, you know, change in structure of the workforce, but that of is course. a big increase. Of course. But it is, as you say, I mean, it's a high level estimate, but mm. it's sort of caught my attention as well. I mean, we haven't seen many of these figures from this source, so we have to, you know, treat them with a little bit of care. But still, 5% for wages is, is a largish number, isn't it? Yeah. 6.3% over the last two years, though, so that sort yep. of uh, that brings it down a little bit. Uh, look, we uh, had jobless claims. Without the, we saw a rise on those in the U.S. The weekly claims numbers have gone from 216,000 to 227,000. Continuing claims is getting close to 1.5 million, so it's going up. But actually, all it's doing is getting back to actually pretty much where it was before the pandemic. So it's sort of normalizing itself a, a little bit, isn't it? We get um, the inflation, the CPI numbers for, for the US were pretty much as expected, 7.9%. Absolutely on right on. Yeah, just uh, 7.9. But could get higher, particularly with, it, with, it, with oil, obviously. Well, the base effects will pull it back, you would have thought. But now we've got these new oil prices feeding back into the system. So that's going to kick back in. And a whole lot of other inflation, inflationary pressures from oil still to play out. And wages as well. So, mm. yeah, we'll watch that. And the Michigan consumer sentiment today in the United States is nice, actually. I'm quite enjoying talking about stuff that's not to do with the war. Uh, UK's GDP for January, that's going to be interesting because the UK was quick to pull back on Omicron restrictions, but then people started yes. getting ill. And incidentally, just looking at that, it is creeping up again. I've not looked at the rest of the world, but the UK, the number of cases with less testing going on has gone from 41,000 a day to almost 70,000 a day in the last week. Uh, so that's something to watch. Omicron's not gone. To- or COVID has not the po- gone. The COVID. podcast was going really well till you mentioned that, Phil. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I always like to leave on a low. I just say that because it's something else to watch in amongst everything else. Uh, our eyes are in all directions, aren't they, at the moment? Uh, good to talk anyway, Dave. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks. Will do, Phil. Cheers. And that is it for the week, for this morning. And until next week, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have yourself a terrific weekend. I'll see you on Monday morning.